monster, a creature with such horrific features, a lady, a bride, and scary movie fan, some nerds and their website present this woman and her man. Hello and welcome to the Bride of the Creature podcast, episode number 51, featuring me, the creature Joey G, and with me as always, the cutest podcaster in town, the Bride Nicole. Hello. How are you, love? Good, how are you? Quite well, thank you. Quite well. Good. Yep. It was my pick. I'm always good on weeks when it's my pick to pick the movie, because I roll 20s. What? Yeah, it's true. Uh, so, without any further ado, let's have a listen to the trailer from this week's pick from 1979. It's David Cronenberg's The Brood. anything so strange and sinister, so bizarre and unnerving. Never until now. David Cronenberg's The Brood. Are you ready for me, Frank? I seem to be a very special person now. I'm in the middle of a strange adventure. I want to go with you wherever you go. Do you? Yes. Then look! The brood. You can run. You can hide and hope they won't find you. But you won't escape. Once unleashed, the brood will destroy anyone gets in their way. <laughs> David Cronenberg's ultimate experience in inner terror. Starring Oliver Reed and Samantha Egar. The Brood. They're waiting for you. Alright, so right off the bat, um, this is the first Cronenberg movie you've seen? I think so. You hadn't, had you seen History of Violence or Eastern Promises? Oh, I saw History of Violence. Okay, that was Cronenberg. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. I well, really okay, so, Yeah, it's because it's Cronenberg. Cronenberg's the best. <laughs> and you saw bits of The Fly. I did not like The Fly. And you only saw bits of it. You I did not like the about. bits I saw. But you're wrong, because it's wonderful. Um, I can't be wrong. No. You can, and you often are. I'm not. Okay. Well, The Brood uh, was from 1979, and it was, if my memory is functioning correctly, the third uh, David Cronenberg feature film, not counting his two independent uh, 
Tiny One's Stereo and Crimes of the Future. This follows, let's see if I can get this right, Rabid and Shivers. I don't care. I care because I want to just make sure that I'm brilliant. And I am. So yes, The Brood from 1979 stars Oliver Reed, Samantha Egar, and Art Hindle. And it depicts a series of murder by what seems to be a group of children. Uh, and as the film goes on, as we'll spoil here in a moment, the children are not quite what they seem. Things are crazy. Dogs and cats living together, mass hysteria. Right? Right. So, Nicole, hmm. this is early Cronenberg. So that means that there's a bit more of an emphasis placed on horror. Yes. Uh, as well as grodiness. Grodiness? Did you find it grody? Not really. Gross? Yeah, no, there, there is one scene that I can see being gross, and it was censored very heavily in your initial release, which I'll tell you about. Oh, really? Uh, there's a scene at the end. Uh, well, we'll get to it when we get to that part of the movie. Um, I like that you picked uh, like a Nicole-friendly David Cronenberg, because <laughs> well, you know I don't really like body horror. Well, the problem is the only really body horror movie you've actually seen uh, was Society. Which I know you did not enjoy. No. Um, but I would also say that I've now seen... I've seen most of David Cronenberg's movies. And there's nothing in them that you would find gross. Oh, really? Yeah. Videodrome has some weird bits, but there's nothing like society See, in any the of them. but the parts of the fly that I saw were kind of body horror If you watch them all... If you watch it in context in that movie, though, Nicole, it, it works really well. It seems better. Yeah, and I think that you would appreciate how good the effects are in the fly. Yeah. Like, The Fly, it's not there to gross you out as much. Like, in society, I totally see why you didn't like it. It felt a lot more like it was there to gross you out. I think it just turned me off of that kind of horror. Yeah. But, I I mean, if you think about it, The Thing is kind of body horror, and you like The Thing. I do love The Thing. Yeah. So I think you should give body horror another try. Maybe we'll watch, you and I, some other time, we'll watch uh, some other Cronenberg. But, yeah, this one, I think, is definitely the best one for a person to start watching early Cronenberg, because it's the most straightforward plot. Um, yeah. And it's got lots of scary scenes. The little kid monsters are really cool. Uh, so basically, um, Oliver Reed runs a psychoplasmic institute, which is like a, ther- a weird new agey therapy place yeah. with really stupid looking therapy that's really dumb. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and um, uh, one of his patients is a woman named Nola, who uh, is severely disturbed. Yes? Yes, and she has, has a wife and a mother. Yes, and her husband is Frank, who is... And they're sort of embattled with each other for custody over their daughter, Candace. That was the one part of the movie that I kind of scratched my head a bit, that, like, maybe things were different in the 70s, but I... One of the big things was that she could easily win sole custody of the child, and I was like, how can that be possible? She's institutionalized. But I think probably things were probably very different in the 70s. Yeah. And from what I've read, a lot of this film, it was made during a time when Cronenberg was engaged in a, in a bitter uh, custody battle with his first wife. Oh. Yeah, so that probably... And the, in the psychoplasmic institution, the only one that has access to the mother is the child. Right, the child and the psychiatrist. So the, and then the child comes home and she's got marks on her and the dad thinks the mother is doing this. Has, has been abusing her, exactly, yeah. Uh, my favorite part of this movie is Oliver Reed, who plays the psychiatrist. I love that actor. I think he's so good in this movie. And he's also in one of my favorite werewolf movies, uh, The Curse of the Werewolf. Cool. Yeah, but I, I thought he was just great, eh? Like, Sorry, just like, the therapist? The, yeah, just yeah. like chewing the scenery. Just I loved him. I loved him a lot. Anyway, as time goes on, it turns out that these creatures that we see as little children in creepy hoodies are not actually children at all, but rather um, uh, psychoplasmic 
offspring Projection. created like birthed by Nola who is in therapy and she her rage physically manifests itself as these little creatures and she kind of births them and it's yeah, fucking Yeah, so awesome. whenever she has rage against someone, the little creatures go after. Yeah, go and attack, whatever. So, But you yeah. don't really know this at first. No, I mean, I, I, I guessed it halfway through. Right? Yeah. Because they were only attacking people that she hated, like her mother and things like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they also, they look creepy and the way they're shot... They cut away really quick, so you don't get a really good long shot of them for a long time. Yeah, you like get a pretty good idea of what they look like, but yeah, they their just movements look like weird children, are, are pretty freaky. And I like, yeah, I agree. The shots they do of them are are really good. The the first time they introduce it, and um, the mother or the, the grandmother, the yeah. grandmother, yeah, is in the kitchen because she hears all the racket and she looks up. And sees it, it's kind of, of like fridge. on top of something. It, that was really funny. That was great, yeah. I liked that a lot. The, the way he built suspense going into that sequence of like you see stuff being knocked over in the kitchen, but you don't see what's doing it. Except maybe you see a flash of a leg or something. Yeah. And then she comes in and she's looking around and everything's destroyed. She can't see anyone. And the camera kind of pulls back as she looks up. And, this, and then as soon as you realize, oh my god, it's on top of the fridge and it jumps down, it cuts away again. Yeah, because you don't know where it is either. Yeah. That's what's freaky. So also what I thought was one of the really neat things about this movie is how much self-control Cronenberg had. What like, do you mean? Well, like, he knew exactly how long to shoot something, exactly how little to give you to make you build suspense and want to know what the hell they are, and just enough to make them scary. Yeah, and I liked how the creatures kind of resembled her daughter, too. Like, they were yeah. blonde, the same height. They kind of wore the same clothes, mm-hmm. even. Yeah, like that red raincoat and all that. Yeah. Yeah, so as the movie goes on, Frank eventually starts to figure out a little bit what's going on and is trying to get uh, Nola out of the institution or at least get to her and figure out what's going on. And Try to talk her down because he kind of knows right. what's going on. Right, exactly. Uh, and we also, towards the end, we get this awesome scene where Oliver Reed is uh, being attacked by a bunch of the little rage babies while another rage baby, we actually see it born. And, and like, it's this creepy little fetus thing. And she, it comes out and she starts to lick it clean like a cat when it's had a baby. Like and they kind of resemble cats. Yeah. And that was the scene that the censors cut so bad when it first came out. Uh, I can see why they would cut it. Well, he says, but Cronenberg condemned the censorship of the scene in which Edgar's character gives birth to one of the monsters and starts to tenderly lick it clean. He says, I had a long and loving close-up of Samantha licking the fetus, and when the censors, those animals, cut it out, the result was that a lot of people thought she was eating the baby. And that's way worse than what I was suggesting. <laughs> like, if they cut it too soon, it looks like she's eating it, but no, she's cleaning it. That's yeah. what, and that's creepier. It is creepier. It's creepier and less disgusting. I think I didn't think it looked that gross, but the idea of it was yeah. really creepy. I loved it. I absolutely loved that bit. And how it's like growing outside of her body. Yeah, when she all of a sudden whips open that robe yeah, and you that's... just have this weird And it's like it's, it was there the whole time. Yeah, the whole that's the thing. You're just like, this whole movie, that's why she's had these weird garments on because she's got creepy monsters. Growing outside of her. Uh, I just uh, fucking loved it. Cronenberg uh, has called it the most classic horror film he ever did, and I would totally agree. Like, mm-hmm. it's it's way less like there's way less like what the heck's going on it's not there's not a lot of weird he stuff he does lots of weird things then sometimes yeah I mean I would say Shivers and Rabbit aren't particularly they're pretty straightforward as well yeah, if, but... even if this was like a more typical horror movie for him I thought it was very different than a lot oh, of yeah. the a lot of the things I've watched oh definitely I liked how you called them you called the rage, rage babies. babies and then even when they're explaining come to the scene where they're explaining that they say her rage is creating these things and I'm like Joey used even the <laughs> right. right word in his guess 
<laughs> it was cool. Uh, the uh, This movie was also listed as number 88 in the Chicago Chrome Film Critics Association 100 Scariest Movies of All Time. Really? Yeah. Uh, yeah, and, and these, uh, these little creatures were like crazy strong too. Yeah, and I also thought it was creepy how they like they almost had like a almost a good side to them too, where they like take care of the little girl, like and yeah, take they her... would do whatever the woman wanted them to do. Yeah, it was weird. That was really weird. And then by, by the end, when she completely loses her mind, and they're gonna try and kill the little girl, and oh, it yeah. gets pretty. Intense. And there's so many of them in the mm-hmm. in the in the space. And the guy, when he goes to save the little girl, and he's walking, and Oliver Reed, and it cuts to the scene where she's starting to build her rage up again, and they start to get agitated. Yeah, and, and he he's goes, just, "Oh shit!" He's just walking, like trying to be calm. Walking, and you see, them. like his face just go, "Oh fuck!" He knows he's fucked. Uh, one other thing I'd bring up is I really like the music in this movie. I thought the, the yeah. score was really good. This was the first Cronenberg film to be scored by Howard Shore who has gone on to score every single Cronenberg movie except for one. He also uh, has done all the music for things like The Cell and uh, Seven and more recently all of the Lord of the Rings and Hobbit movies. Those oh, are really? his big ones. Yeah, oh, cool. He's a very, very popular, famous composer, but he's done all of Cronenberg's uh, movies except, I think, for The Fly. Oh. Which, because for, I think it's because The Fly was more of a studio picture and they wanted a, a different composer for whatever reason, but... Um, it was very good. And one other thing I would say about uh, the, the Brood, more so than some of his other early ones, like Shivers and Rabid, uh, and this comes from a Wikipedia quote, but it's also true. So it, you kind of care a bit more about the characters in this movie because they're given more development. In the other uh, earlier ones, there's less development of character and more uh, cool set pieces, I guess. But, uh, you know, I think overall this is a really well done movie. What do you I mean, really cool like set pieces? Just like well, the way there's like it a looks, lot more action or? and like um, lots more characters getting killed that you oh. don't care about. Like, there's fewer people getting killed in this movie than in these other movies. Yeah. But there's more time spent with those characters, so their deaths maybe are more impactful. If that makes sense. What does brood mean? A brood know. is like a. Um, a storm? No, like, no, it's like your family. Like, if we had oh. more than one kid, that's our brood. Like,. Your offspring, like what your am group I thinking? Of... Like you're brooding or broke. Well, brooding is another thing where you're sitting there like Batman yeah. is brooding. But a brood as a noun refers to like a group of offspring. Oh, I didn't family. know yeah. that. This is my brood. Well, that makes more sense now to me. Mm. <laughs> well, I'm glad to have been able to help you out. So I guess we've reached the part where you tell us how much you liked it out of 10. Yeah, I was actually surprised how much I liked this movie. I give it an 8 out of 10. Me too, 8 out of 10. That's what? great. Crazy. It's really great. Not my favorite Cronenberg, but definitely up there. Like really it just, good. Uh, the only reason I don't give it a higher mark is that it didn't really stick with me. Like I didn't think about it too much afterwards. Mm-hmm. I think I enjoyed, I enjoyed watching it. Though. Yeah, I think that part of it is because of it's sort of his most classical. Like I've seen all of his other films, and even the ones that are maybe less accomplished stick with me more. There's more stuff in them that are freaky or like interesting. Yeah. And this one is sort of extremely well done, but it also shows probably why Cronenberg doesn't do very many conventional horror movies. Well, it also spells... It's, it's too easy. It spells everything out for yeah. you. It's pretty... Like, Cronenberg could make those kind of movies in his sleep if he wanted to, but yeah. he doesn't want to because he's way too talented for that. I don't know if you've noticed, but I'm a huge Cronenberg fan. I can tell. After we watched this movie, I went back and rewatched like seven of his other movies. Really? Yeah, I love David Cronenberg. Anyway, uh, it's time to play. It's time to play a game. Time to play a game. That's a wrestling reference. This game is called The Brood, but it's B R U D E, like be rude. 
Okay. Uh, in reading about this film, I, I stumbled across Roger Ebert's review of this movie, yeah. wherein he called it a bore and disquieting in ways that are not entertaining, and even went as far as to say, are there really people who want to see this reprehensible trash? Answer is yes. And it got me thinking about, you know, Roger Ebert's like the most respected film critic of all time, uh, and I've read a lot of his stuff, despite not particularly liking the concept of film critics. Right. I've read a lot of his books, and I actually think he's an intelligent guy, and I like reading a lot of his reviews. However, there are some times where I think all critics do this, but Roger Ebert was no exception. It became more important for them to come up with a funny way to put down a movie than to actually talk about it. Yeah. So what I've done is I've pulled a whole bunch of quotes from actual Roger Ebert reviews of movies he didn't like. And I've also made up some of my own hyperbolic bad movie reviews. And you have to tell me whether it's a real movie, real review rather, or one that I made up. Okay. Okay. That's cool. I'm glad you think so. That's quite a different take on the game. Yeah, I mean, it's as always, it's the same concept. Because <laughs> it's really hard to come up with a game every single week. But uh, anyway, so these are all from... Not all of these are from horror movies, but I find that more often than not, these kind of pithy, shitty remarks usually come from horror movies because the people, typically, the people who work in film criticism uh, tend to like a certain kind of movie, and horror movies are not usually that kind of movie. All right. Uh, anyway, are you ready? Yep. To play the game. Okay, here's the first one. <clears throat> Here we go. This is the quote. Film number one. One of the most disquieting, unsettling films to come along in quite some time. It was obliviously, it was, excuse me, it was obviously intended as a comedy, but there is little comic about it. And indeed, the movie's overriding emotions seem to be pain and anger. Is that a real Roger Ebert review or something I wrote? Something you wrote. Wrong. That is a real review of Scrooged. <laughs> the Bill what? Murray Christmas movie. Oh my god. You see what I mean? How over the top sometimes he would go? I'm like, you could just say you didn't like Scrooge, dude. Relax. Okay. This is Roger Ebert? This is Roger Ebert. He These likes that Roger word. Ebert, which disquieting. Yeah, y'all, yeah, yeah. That's why I thought you made it up. Because yeah. I thought you just used his word. All right, number two. This movie is like taking a bus trip with someone who has needed a bath for a long time. It's not only bad, it's unpleasant in a hostile way. You wrote that. Roger Ebert wrote what? that about Battlefield Earth, which admittedly is not a great movie. I remember liking it when I was 12, but uh, I didn't find it like offensively unpleasant. Are you ready? I think that sounded like you because of the bathroom <laughs> part. All right. Number three. This movie is very bad, and the people who made it should feel bad. You wrote that. I did. It's from Futurama. It's a paraphrase. When Zoidberg says, I know, you it say, was bad, and you should feel bad. You say that all the time. <laughs> that funny. was so obvious. All right, here we go. Next up. Number four. The movie is being revived around the country for midnight cult showings. Midnight is not late enough. Roger Ebert. Roger Ebert said that about The Beyond, a movie I kind of like. <laughs> all right, Next. This film wasn't written and directed. It was committed. Here is a film so pitiful, it doesn't rise to the level of badness. It is hopelessly incompetent. I'm not certain that anyone involved has ever seen a movie or knows what one is. You wrote that. Roger Ebert wrote what? that about a movie called Dirty Love, which, again, not a very good movie, but calm down, Roger. He's like as dramatic as you are. He really was. He really like, was. Like, this is how you talk about movies after you see them. And that's why I have such a weird problem with film critics, like... They're no more equipped to review this shit than I am, and they. Because you know, like when you watch a movie, you you feel extreme about I it. Do. So that just sounds like I know. you. Every I could time. be huge. All I right, huge. next one. You will like this film if you like things that are awful and stupid in every way. 
Roger Ebert. No, I actually wrote that one. Oh my god! <laughs> but you can picture him saying it, right? Well, I know I can't tell because you sound alike. <laughs> you are the thank same you. person. Uh, thank you. Next, the makers of this film needn't have bothered. Roger Ebert. No, I made that one oh. up too. <laughs> Wow, I'm doing really well. I think you've only got one right so far. You picked someone that just sounds just like you. All right. This movie doesn't scrape the bottom of the barrel. This movie isn't the bottom of the barrel. This movie isn't below the bottom of the barrel. This movie doesn't deserve to be mentioned in the same sentence as barrels. That's pretty clever. No, it's not. It's stupid. Yes, it was from the review for Freddy Got Fingered. A movie I like a lot. Oh my god, I love (laughs) Tom Green. It's just clearly a movie that was not intended for highbrow film critics, and the fact that he bothered to review it is just ridiculous. Why? I just watched Stealing Harvard with Tom Green. (laughs) The part that I still say is, I got hungry, so I heated up a brick Brick of cheese. cheese. (laughs) And she doesn't like just eating cheese. Alright, here we go. This movie is an expression of the most diseased and perverted darker human natures. Because it is made artlessly, it flaunts its motives. There is no real reason to see this movie except to be entertained by the sight of sadism and suffering. Roger Ebert. Roger Ebert for I Spit on Your Grave, (laughs) which is an old uh, rape-revenge exploitation movie. Why would Roger Ebert bother to see a movie called I Spit on Your Grave? You can pretty well tell from the title that you're not going to like it, Roger. Okay, next one. But that's his job. He can't just review movies he likes. No, but is anybody who goes to see I Spit on Your Grave only going to go because Roger Ebert gave it a review? The people who see those kind of movies don't read film critics. <laughs> and if they do, they read them on like horror movie websites or movie, horror movie newsletters and things. Anyway, next. Newsletters. Before the internet. <laughs> I Spit on Your Grave came out in the we, 70s. We should put our own newsletter. My best guess is that this film is part of an elaborate practical joke being played on all thinking people everywhere. You wrote that. I did write that. It's clever though, right? Yes. I I would say that. All right, here we go. Yes, you would. I hated this movie. Hated, 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 hated this movie. Hated it. Hated every simpering, stupid, vacant, audience-insulting moment of it. Hated the sensibility that thought anyone would like it. Hated the implied insult to the audience by its belief that anyone would be entertained by it. Well, that sounds an awful lot like you, but no, I'm going to go with Roger Ebert. Yes, that is a real Roger Ebert review. A movie called North, and it became the title of a, one of his collections of bad reviews called I Hated, 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 Hated This Movie. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, it just goes to show that even the most well-respected among us uh, can sometimes do really dumb, stupid things like write sentences like that. And that's the end of The Brood, but, but like, be rude. I think you won that one. I definitely won that one. You picked someone that sounds just like you. Did you hate, 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 hate this game? No, I actually enjoyed this game a lot. I'm glad you enjoyed it. Some other famous movies that Roger Ebert gave poor reviews to that we like? Blue Velvet, or that I like. And uh, The Thing. I like both those movies. Yeah. I think I liked this game because it was more immediate for me to answer. I didn't have to listen to you as carefully. <laughs> well, there you go, I guess. <laughs> okay. Um, well, that's all the time we have for this week. Uh, Nicole, what are we watching? Oh, my goodness. Excuse me. That was very rude. I ripped on camera, on microphone. Nicole, what are we watching next week? Um, I chose The Innkeeper. Yes, The Innkeepers. Because the guy also made The Changeling, which I loved, loved, loved The Changeling. No, we didn't. What? We did not make The Changeling. What did he make? (laughs) He made The House of the Devil. Oh, I love That's the one. That's Ty West, who also directed one of the shorts in VHS. (laughs) 
Sorry, I just sounded really dumb just there. That's okay, you're tired, I can tell. Uh, so yes, we're watching The Innkeepers from 2011, directed by Ty West. He made that a movie that I liked. <laughs> there you go. This is one of the first times we've watched a second movie by another director who we've already watched on the podcast. Did he make this movie after or before? The um, House of the Devil. That's an excellent question. He made it... Uh, after it was right after it was his next film. Oh, well, I'm really excited to watch it then. Well, I'm glad you feel that way. Good. He has a new movie coming out this year called The Sacrament, which is looks like it's an American found footage horror thriller, uh, and it's about um, oh, like a cult kind of a thing because it takes several elements from real life events, such as the Jonestown massacre. Cool. Very cool. Yeah, so we're gonna watch that next week, and until such time, uh, I am the creature Joey G, and I'm the bride Nicole. And y'all stay scary now. Kissy, kissy. How could this woman ever decide to wed this man? <laughs>